0: Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. So, do we get more forgetful as we get older? Because we're talking about Abraham today who, you know, God called, spoke to at 75 years old, told him to leave everything. Where did he live? In the land of... Burr. Yeah. And so he left everything. And, and today he's like 100 years old in, in this passage. And Sarah's like 90. So can you imagine being 100 years old? Would you forget stuff? Like, let me ask you this question. These are the things people forget the most. Have you ever walked into a room only to find out that you've forgotten why you walked in the room in the first place? Raise your hand if you ever done that, okay? Have you ever claimed your car stolen only to realize it was parked on level three, not four? Have you ever done that? Have you ever forgotten someone's name only to wake up in the middle of the night remembering it? And have you ever tried to enter your ATM pin number into the microwave? I have, so I actually did that. Walked to the microwave, started putting my ATM pin number in there. There was two guys, really old in age, and they were talking with each other. And the one older guy says to his buddy, he "says You know, man, I had the best meal last night. It it was amazing." Friend goes, "Well, where'd you go?" And he says, "What do you What do you call that plant that?" has thorns. He says, Rose? He goes, yeah. Hey, Rose, where did we go last night? (laughs) Well, here's the good news. God doesn't forget about us. He doesn't forget about you, and he doesn't forget his promises. Abraham and Sarah were well past childbearing age, yet God promised them a child, Isaac. And God made a covenant with Abraham. Remember, we promised him three things, a nation, descendants or seed, and land. remember last week we talked about how God took Abraham outside and said, As many as the stars in the sky, you will have descendants. And we talked about how the land was an important part of where the descendants would live. So I just want to review, last week I showed this slide of the land Of the promised land, according to the borders in the Bible, all the way from the Nile, all the way to the Euphrates, which is in Iraq currently today, all this land belongs to God and His people. Now, where is Israel currently? Here. So this is 300,000 square miles of land. None of these promises that God gave in His covenant to Abraham would happen if they remain childless, right? I mean, that makes sense. 100 years old, God shows up, all right? So all good promises come from the Lord. Every good gift comes from our Father who's in heaven. My dad passed away. He fell asleep in the Lord and woke up in heaven in 2004. I love my dad. I miss him. I look at pictures and really miss him. He was a, quite a character. I think my jokes are bad, <laughs> His dad jokes were like to a whole other level. But the cool thing about my dad was he kept his promises, kept his promise to my mom. For 40 years, they were married. He always kept his promises to me when my dad and my mom, when they said they were going to show up to something, they were always there. That's the kind of dedication that speaks volumes to me. I learned a lot about commitment from my parents. Now, obviously, no father, no human father is perfect. We all fall short. I fall short all the time. But at least we attempt to show that commitment and that faithfulness. So here we're going to look at this passage today that talks about God's faithfulness as he keeps his promise to Abraham and Sarah. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 18. And it says, The Lord, and it's Yahweh, appeared to Abraham. So does anyone know what it's called when there's an appearance of God in the Bible? It's theophany, right? So theos is God, and the Greek word phanaos is an appearance. Here, God himself appears to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, which is in Hebron. So Abraham is actually in the land of Canaan at this time. Hebron still exists. It's about 18 miles south of Jerusalem. Abraham's sitting there at his tent door, so he's living in a tent, and it's the heat of the day. And he lifts up his eyes, and he looks, and three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. So these were unexpected guests. He knew something was different about them. Here we have God himself and Two other people, and most people think these were angels of the Lord. Actually, if you keep on reading later, they're the two angels that actually go to Sodom and Gomorrah to get Lot and his family out of there before God judged that city. Just to fill us in, because we're at chapter 18, we kind of skipped a little bit, but in Genesis 16, do you remember what happens? Remember God says, you will have a son. What did uh, Abraham and Sarah try to do? Help God out. You ever tried to help God out? You know, that never goes well, right? So remember, Sarah thinks, this is impossible. This ain't going to happen. So Abraham, go sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. Abraham says, okay. You know, and he's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll listen to my wife. He sleeps with Hagar, and they have a son. What's his name? Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when he had Ishmael, okay? Now Ishmael was not the promised son because Ishmael, if you read Galatians chapter 4, Ishmael is referred to as the son of works or of the flesh. So Abraham and Sarah had to work for that to happen. Later, when Isaac's born, it's a work of the spirit is how Isaac came. Now in Genesis 17, God seals his covenant with Abraham and tells Abraham at the age of 99 to introduce the wonderful blessing of circumcision. I imagine he's old, God's saying, yeah, this is how you're going to show that you're cut away from the world by doing this. God says that this is going to be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Also in this chapter 17, God changes Sarah, her name was Sarai, to Sarah, which means princess. I think it's pretty cool. And then he says to her, she will be a mother of nations and kings will come from her. We're going to look at chapter 17 for just a minute. And we're going to start in verse 19 so we can catch up to what's happening here. So God says, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, Abraham, and you shall call his name Isaac. And in Hebrew, it's you ever heard that? It's like Pearlman. We pronounce it Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him. So who is God establishing his covenant with, Ishmael or Isaac? For an everlasting covenant for his descendants or seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Now, cool thing about this is a lot of wordplay going on in these texts today. Because Ishmael means God hears. So God says, as for Ishmael, I have heard you, Abraham, because Abraham had just prayed, please bless Ishmael. He's a father. He loves Ishmael, and God does bless Ishmael. But he says, behold, I will bless him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes or nations, and those would be the 12 Arab nations. And I'll make him a great nation. But here's the key. But my covenant, my promise, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah, not Hagar, will bear to you at this season next year. Hagar was an Egyptian woman, and so Ishmael is the father of the Arabic nations. I wonder, because circumcision comes after this, I wonder if it had anything to do with coming after Ishmael's birth to set apart Isaac. Because Isaac was born from Sarah's womb, not Hagar's. So God makes a promise to Abraham, and the Lord always keeps his promises. As in James 1.17 tells us, read it with me, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light. When we think of God, we think of light. Everything about God is good. In fact, he said, let there be light. And so everything that God has promised us and gives us is an act of His grace and goodness. And if anyone's in the dark, it's because we're not in His Word, we're not in His light, or we don't know Christ, because that's how you come into the light. So the next thing is you never know when you might be entertaining angels. A theophany is a God appearance in the Old Testament and in the Bible. So God Himself comes to meet with Abraham. Now we're in chapter 18 again. So Abraham said, so he sees the three persons. He said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on. So he's showing hospitality to God and the angels. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham does what every husband does, runs in the house and says, Sarah, quickly make something for my guests. Because I don't know how to cook. So quickly prepare these measures of fine flour knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham, now he does what he loves: He goes to the herd and he takes a tender choice calf, so the best one he has, and he serves it. He takes curds and milk and the calf, And he serves the men that were standing them, and they ate. So that's an incredible thing that shows hospitality to strangers. And in fact, in the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. And this is in a reference to Abraham. He showed hospitality to God and angels. And we never know who we're showing hospitality to. I share my testimony many times, but remember, you know, three times said, the Lord said, through people, Jesus loves you. That's how I came to understand and know Jesus Christ. But the second time was a guy sitting on a bench, and he looked at me, and he said, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And I looked back, and he was gone. But I remember him. I remember what he looked like. And about 10 years later, I was serving in a church, and This guy rode up in a bike, a homeless guy, and he was hungry, so we bought him food and gave him some water. And as I looked at him, I go, oh my gosh, that's the guy. He left and never came back. I don't know. Maybe he was an angel. This is why we should never take for granted the privilege to serve others. And we should never take for granted a first-time guest coming church on sunday morning for the first time or we don't know if god is testing us we should be here to show hospitality for those people and obviously we should show hospitality to one another but that word hospitality to strangers that phrase in greek is one word is philo xenos philo does anyone remember what philo love xenos is a stranger or someone who's unknown so it's to love someone you don't know or you've never met. And that's what Abraham does here. The next thing is when God makes a promise, try not to laugh. This is an important one. <laughs> Do we laugh at God's promises? I mean, sometimes we go, no, Lord, that ain't ever going to happen. Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 9. And then they, so the angel said to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, Abraham. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door. So she's in her house. She's listening. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing age. And verse 12, Sarah laughed to herself. And the word laughed is the word Yitzhak. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I've become old or worn out, is that when I should have the pleasure of having a kid? And also my Lord or Abraham was old too? So what is that? That's doubt, right? Unbelief. Uh, We do this all the time. In verse 13, and the Lord, so this is God speaking himself to Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah, Isaac, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Before, it said Sarah laughed to herself. But God says, Why is Sarah laughing and saying these things? God knows our heart. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people try to fake God out. You know, like, Oh, maybe he doesn't know what I'm really thinking. Or if I act this way, he won't really know how I feel about that person no, that's not how it is. And we should come honestly because we're in God's mercy through Christ. But here's the thing. A lot of people blame Sarah. Oh, Sarah laughed. Where did it come from? Abraham. In fact, in chapter 17, chapter before, God says to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, which means princess, shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Then Abraham fell flat on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Or he's saying, Oh God, may Ishmael also be under your blessing." So, he wants both his children to experience God's blessing, which is a normal thing for a father. And so, God does bless Ishmael, but he doesn't bless him to give him the covenant through him. He he blesses him with a lot of kids. So, when God says something that's just unfathomable, or, you know, when he says, I'll do more than you can ask or imagine, do you believe that? Or how big is your God? Because if God is in a box to you, then you've boxed him in. He's not boxed in. He's never boxed in. He can do anything he wants. And that's the kind of faith we should have because God's promises are never too difficult. They're never too difficult. If we believe that God is the God of the universe that created everything from a spoken word, then in chapter 18 it says, Is anything too difficult? And that word can be wonderful or impossible for the lord so let me ask you that and you don't have to answer out loud but is anything too difficult for god you might say no not for someone else but for me it's way too difficult cuz a lot of people think that oh yeah i think god does amazing things in other people's lives no god wants to do amazing things in your life i've seen god do miracles Look at this next part of the sentence. At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year and Sarah will have a son. It's not she might, or there's a high possibility if things work out, he says she will. And I've seen God do miracles in this area. As Pastor Brian attested earlier, we got to be a part of that miracle by praying. In fact, we want to pray now for Heather and Mike. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we've done this before and we come again in faith and prayer that you would bless Mike and Heather with another child. They love you, we love them, and we know, Lord, you can do a miracle. So I just pray that you would do this and that you would get the glory like you have so many times because you're a God of all possibility. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's why Jesus says to his disciples, With people, these things might be impossible, but with God, read it. All things are possible. Do you believe that for you? Do you believe that for your family? Do you believe it for your marriage? Do you believe it for your health? Do you believe it for anything? And then trust God with the answer. So as we go on in Genesis 18, then the man rose up from there and looked down. So when it started, it said Abraham looked up and saw God and the angels, but now they look down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Because Abraham had a nephew named Lot who lived in Sodom, Gomorrah. When they first went out to the land, Lot came with him, and they kind of just said, okay, Abraham, you take that part of the land. I'll take this part. And Abraham went into Canaan, which is the promised land, and Lot set up shop in Sodom Gomorrah, which was about to be judged for their sin. So God is saying, should I tell Abraham about that? And since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed, for I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. See, this is all God working this out. All Abraham had to do is believe. That's grace. Grace is God coming to us. Faith is believing in him and trusting him. But God is the one who performs miracles. Next, God's promise always comes at the appointed time. Now, remember, Abraham was 75 years old, and he lived in a really nice city. Ur was like New York, very nice economic, political powerhouse. So God calls him out of his comfort zone at 75. And then God starts using him to do these amazing things. In chapter 20, I just want to fill you in. In order to protect himself, Abraham tells a little white lie to Abimelech, who's the king of Gerar, which is a Canaanite city. And he tells a white lie that his wife, Sarah, is his sister. And the reason he does that, he doesn't want to be murdered. He's like, Henny Youngman, take my wife, please. You know. Now, this is not the first time he's done this. He did this before in Egypt. It's a pattern of lying. The reason I'm saying this is a lot of people think, oh, the people in the Bible were like, had their act together. No, not way. God chose Abraham. Abraham did not choose God. Now, after God chose him, Abraham believed God, but Abraham was not worthy of that. God did it. So before Abimelech, the pagan king, could corrupt Sarah and her womb, God came to Abimelech in a dream and said this, behold, you are a dead man because Of the woman, Sarah, whom you have taken, for she is married. Sarah is a princess of God. She belongs to God, not just anybody. We belong to God. So Abimelech obviously freaks and he pleads with God and blames it on Abraham. He says, Did Abraham not himself say to me, she's my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, Abimelech says, and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart, you have done this. And I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Because she belongs to me. Sarah's womb belonged to God. This is not ours. This is His. God is protecting Sarah and her womb for His promise. See, when you wait for God's promise, it's way better than when you try to help God out. So in verse 7 of chapter 20, Now therefore... God says to Abimelech, restore the man's wife or give his wife back to him. For Abraham is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you don't give her back, know this Abimelech. You're a dead man, all of you. Wow. Now, there's two sides to every story. (laughs) Let's go from Abraham's side. So we go to chapter 20, verse 10. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is your reason that you have done this thing to me? And here's Abraham's side. Well, because I thought, you know, I'm trying to help God out. I thought, surely there is no fear of God in this place. So now he's offending and insulting the king, but it's true. And they will kill me because of my wife. Now here's the white lie part. Besides... She actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So Sarah was actually Abraham's half sister, which we kind of gross out about that. Uh, Back then, that was a type of common marriage type thing. However, later under the law, God said, no, we don't do that. So the question then is, did Abraham lie? It depends how you define lie, right? Did he tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth? Did Abraham act with integrity? No, and and that's why that's interesting when Abimelech said, I had integrity in my heart. I thought I was doing okay. If you do something like this, which is what they call a white lie, and white lies are still lies, do you feel convicted? If we want to have integrity, then we should not tell any type of lie, any false witness, in Abraham's case, it was sort of true. But if you really think about the integrity of his heart, I mean, did he love Sarah enough? Did he just like ponder off? Oh, here, I got Ishmael. Go deal with, you know, Abimelech over there. No, that's not integrity. We're going to look at Jacob in a couple of weeks, Jacob. He took the whole lying thing to a whole other level. And so it's passed down. You know, the Bible says is passed down from generation to generation. And so at some point, someone has to step up and say, no, I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm going to be the man or the woman God wants me to be by his strength, by his spirit. And when I fail, I'm not going to wear a mask and I'm not going to pretend that I'm perfect. I'm going to admit when I make a mistake, I'm going to apologize for the way I treated that person or what I said, and then you're living with integrity. But we can't just think we're going to sweep everything under the rug. Here's what we want to really focus on. God still used Abraham as a sinner. And God actually used Abimelech. You know that God used Nebuchadnezzar, who's one of the worst hostile pagan kings ever to live? God can use anyone he wants for his purpose. Now, we as believers get to be used by him to do his work and for his kingdom to build up his kingdom. So he continues to use sinners today because it's not about me. It's not about what I can and can't do. It's about what God wants to do through me. So in verse 13, there's more explanation that happens. And it came about when God, so now Abraham kind of shifts the blame to God a little bit. When God caused me to wander from my father's house, you know, it all started that day in Ur... When I was doing fine, and God told me to leave there and go, and it's all his fault, that I said to her, Sarah, this is the kindness which you shall show me. So in other words, this is how you're going to show kindness to me. <laughs> you're going to protect me, okay, basically. Everywhere we go, save of me, he is my brother. So he's telling her to basically tell little white lies. Abimelech then took sheep and oxen. So here's the cool part. Abimelech pretty much hands over all this stuff to Abraham to make appeasement. Abimelech then took sheep and oxen, male and female servants, and gave them to Abraham. And he gave his wife back, Sarah, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land. Now this is the land of Canaan, which is the land that God has promised. My land is your land. Settle wherever you please. This is how God opened the door, even through Abraham's mess up, to give the land for him to live in. Now, verse 16 To Sarah, Abimelech said, Behold, I've given your brother, and he uses that, I'm sure, you know, hey, you lied to me. I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication. Before all who are with you, so no one should now say that you did anything wrong, Sarah. Before all men, you're cleared. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children, for the Lord had closed all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife, because Sarah is God's princess, and you don't mess with God's princess. Amen. Now Abraham's witness was pretty clumsy, right? But God still revealed to Abimelech himself, God, he revealed himself through Abraham's clumsiness. Why? Because God is the one doing the work. All Abraham did was being available. Do you say that Abraham and Sarah kind of messed things up a little bit, but could God use their mess? Yeah. He wants to turn our mess into a message. When we trust him, our mess turns into an incredible message of God's grace. So now we're in Genesis 21. So it's a year later. The Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said. So he visited Sarah. That word can mean visited. So it comes back. God does what he said he's going to do. He visit her somehow, came upon her, maybe similarly, To how he came upon Mary, but obviously that was a conception of God, uh, the God-man. This, he came upon Sarah and healed her womb. It says, the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the what? Appointed time. Appointed time. Have you ever felt like God's promises have taken a hundred years to show up? But it's the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Yitzhak, which means laughter. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. God always shows up at the right time. But, as the great theologian Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part, Right? But if we wait, if we know that we're God's princess, God's prince, God's son, we wait because we belong to him. In fact, from the last word spoken in the last book of the Old Testament until the first word spoken in the first book of the New Testament, it had been 400 years that God spoke to his people. Can Can you imagine living one day without God speaking to you? But yet we think it's fine, right? You ever go one day without hearing the Lord, reading the Word? Two days, three days, a month. I don't want that. I'd die inside. But in Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, "...when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son." It's God's timing, because if not, here's the thing. If you don't wait for God's appointed time, you might turn what should have been an Isaac into an Ishmael, because you didn't wait on the Lord. The next one is make sure you keep God's commands for your kids. When God gave Abraham the circumcision command, he said you should do this to all the kids that are born on the eighth day. So what does Abraham do? He does exactly what God says. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now it's interesting, my brother uh, Philip and I were talking the other day and he's changing careers. He's actually one year away from graduating from nursing school, which is really cool. He's really smart. But we're talking in the car and he was telling me about how he had to be a part of helping out with the circumcision. So he said they give a vitamin K shot to help the blood clot. I go, oh, did you know that in the Bible, it says that we were supposed to wait eight days. They were supposed to wait eight days. He goes, yeah, because that's when vitamin K starts being developed, and it's the highest in the baby's body. So he goes, oh, my gosh. He goes, I never thought of that. He goes, I love the Bible. <laughs> Do you ever like doubt that God knows what he's talking about? Remember, circumcision is to cut away and to represent being cut away and separated as holy unto God, as New Testament believers, our heart has been cut away by God. In fact, the Bible says we've been circumcised by the Holy Spirit. And when we say yes to God, we're saying, yes, I will follow you. And then he tells us, okay, do this hard thing or do this uncomfortable thing or don't do that thing. And we're like, oh, I'll I'll follow you when it's convenient. Have you ever done that? But you said you'd follow me. I know, but it's like I'm really busy or I really wanted to do this thing because it really fulfills me, you know. It's all about me. It makes me feel better than what you want to do, God, because first of all, you take a way long time. You're like a slow cooker, and I like microwaves. I like to change the channel every second because that's the world I live in. And, God, you don't live in that world, so you don't understand the pressure that I'm going through. But here's the thing, it's a slow burn, there's a song. In other words, it's not overnight. It's like a year later, you go, what happened? And then you go back to the time, the year before, where you started to doubt God, or you started to not believe God, and you started to not trust God, and you started making your own decisions for you and your family, and then you go, why is my family now messed up? And at that time, you can say, I'm sorry, Lord, I messed up. And God's grace is always available. But he will let us learn from our mistakes. We have to understand, because next week, when we talk about Abraham taking his son, Isaac, up the mountain to sacrifice him to the Lord, because God told him to do that, he didn't even hold back his one and only son, as God our Father didn't either. But he was going to sacrifice his son on the altar of God And we, often as parents, sacrifice our kids on the altar of the world. It used to be Sundays were holy. It's the Lord's day. And I know as a parent, I mean, we dealt with this with my son, Daniel, who's a great baseball player. But I remember I was agonizing. Is he going to be like the next Albert Pujols or Mike Trout? Does he need to be on the baseball field? Or does he need to be learning God's word in church? And I remember talking to the coach, and I took risks, but I would say, and I would tell Daniel, he would agree with me, because he always prayed about everything. And I said to the coach, look, Daniel will go play if it's a championship game. But if it's just another game, he'll come later. And that's a risk. But you know what? Actually, the coach says, oh, I respect that. And it worked out. But these conversations have to be had in ourselves as parents and saying, how long is a slow burn just going to go? And here's the other thing. This church is a family church, and we say that meaning it's a family church. You know, there's some churches that separate every age group away from everyone else, and That seemed to work for a while, but I'll tell you what, you talk to the people that did that for 20, 30 years that actually were the leaders of doing those things and and building those programs, they are saying it was a mistake. But they keep doing it because that's the way they do it. We took a risk. We said, I believe, and I believe this with all my heart, I believe that any kid that's 12 and older can sit through an adult service with their family for an hour and a half. They sit and watch all kinds of things for an hour and a half. But it ain't going to happen if you just let your kids run the show. Abraham did not let his kids run the show. And this is what's so important. We live in a world that wants to rob and steal, and the Satan wants to steal your kids from God. It's like Abraham just handing over his wife. Oh, yeah, here you go, Abimelech, take my kids. I'm just telling you, we all deal with these things. It's not just you and, and oh, he's a pastor, he's got You don't have to do it. No, everyone does. But at some point, we all have to decide what is most important. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 said, And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Look, Our family needs to be together, our church family, and your family needs to be together. In worship, because we're circumcised from the world, we are not of the world. Because when we say yes to Christ, that means yes. And the Bible says if you train up your child in the way he should go, he will return. And we have to trust. We have a great ministry called Prodigal Child Ministry that meets once a month. And it's where parents go and pray for their kids that have walked away or don't know the Lord. So we take that seriously, too. And last, God's promise brings joy. Is there anything better than receiving what God has for you? Because if there is, then maybe you need a heart check, because really, there shouldn't be. So look what happens in Genesis 21. Sarah said, God has made Yitzhak for me. See the wordplay? It's incredible. They laughed in doubt, how they're laughing in joy. And this is even more of a wordplay. Everyone who hears, the way that's said in Hebrews, call Ashomea. that's the root of the word Ishmael, who means God hears. So everyone who Ishmael will yisak with me. Isn't that amazing? Don't you love the Bible? And then in verse 7, and she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, so weaned from milk. And as a pastor and a father, that's what I want and desire the most, is for you and for your family to be weaned from spiritual milk and start eating spiritual meat and getting the word. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. And because it's joy to see your kids that you have put so much prayer and thought into, and then they start, you start to see things at the appointed time. You know, one of the greatest blessings of my life has been the privilege to baptize my kids. And I'll tell you, it's such a joy. Again, oh, well, he's a pastor, all his kids are going to be following the Lord. No, I'm blessed that at least we can have conversations about things that are spiritual and from God's Word, and we can have deep conversations like that because we have had them over the time. It doesn't mean we're living a perfect, holy life unto the Lord, but I'll tell you, to see my kids baptized and to baptize them. Now, I was baptized when I was 30 because I came to Christ when I was 29. I was the first in my family to be a born-again believer In other words, it wasn't about religion anymore. It was about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I got saved. And I was black sheep. And I had been baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. And so that was not a welcome conversation at first. But after that, God used that and my whole family got saved. And I got to baptize my brothers and everything. I felt so different that day. I'm telling you, I trusted the Lord my salvation. But that day changed my life. And I felt like God's spirit came upon me in another way. And I was able to be an example as you are for the next generation to be walking with the Lord. So let's end in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and mercy this morning and every morning. Your mercies are new every morning. I know we've been talking about some difficult things, but I pray that we will remember that there's nothing too difficult for you Everything is possible with you. if We just trust you and do it the way that you want to do it and not try to help you out. Lord, I just thank you for Abraham and Sarah and their faith and their witness, even in the midst of their sin. But Lord, we're all sinners saved by grace. And that's what it's all about. And we thank you, Lord, that you're our heavenly father and you're a father of love and compassion and mercy and every good thing comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bardowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you visit if you're in the area. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegateoc.com.